Local on the Go Show listeners, don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Racing season is right around the corner, so grab your One to Go Show tee or hoodie today. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here. The one and only Burt Lehman bringing you episode 172 of the One to Go show. Burt, I can finally say it. Spring is actually in the air. Um, sounds like you've had some good weather. I know Shano's looking to open up. What's, what's happening over in eastern Wisconsin? You think it's going to be a go time next week? Well, pretty much all the snow around the area is gone. We've had two days of 70-degree weather. Tomorrow's supposed to be 80 um supposed to be high 70s thursday but um shano they just got on the track for the first time today uh because they they had snow on the track until just you know a few days ago um so i if i were a betting man i would say they're not going to open this week but i would think definitely uh the following week um plus the forecast for saturday 70 percent chance of rain (laughs) Watch your mouth. Okay, this is a kid-friendly show. We don't need no swearing or shit on here, all right? So relax with that hard work. <laughs> no, you're, I tell you what, that's, I mean, Brad's been around it a long time, you know, and if he feels the track's not ready to go, he's smart enough to realize that even on a small track, rough means tore up equipment on a big half mile, that wouldn't be good for everybody. So you're better off pushing it a week to make sure you have a good racetrack and it's safe but- for people to be on. On the positive side, uh, whether it rains or not, the Shano Speedway Fan Fest will take place on Saturday um, in the Crawford Building, uh, which is outside of Turn 2. And uh, so people will at least get to see race cars, uh, whether they race or not this weekend. And our fans of the show, I mean, this is an opportunity to go meet Burt Lehman. He's going to be signing autographs there as well. Um, photo ops with our, our very own Burt Lehman here. I mean, how can a person pass that up, right? Hey, well, I don't know about that. But, <laughs> but yes, I, I will have a table at the show because I'll be collecting um, uh, lap sponsorship money for uh, each of the special each for each of the specials for each division this year. And I'll have some die casts on display and full throttle magazines available. There you go. I'm sure the drivers appreciate that. So that's super cool. You do that. Of course, this episode and every episode brought to you by dirt track supply over in Watertown, South Dakota, Burt tires are available now to Wissota drivers as are other parts. So if you need tires, if you're a customer of theirs, get a hold of them. Get your parts, get safety equipment. I mean, racing is right around the corner. So if you don't have it, get a hold of Trevor, get a hold of Ron over there, over there at Dirt Track Supply in Watertown. They'll get you everything you need for all things racing. Dirt Track Supply, Watertown, South Dakota. Um, quick shout out here. Happy birthday to my buddy Dan. He's in our Pickums contest, kind of closing the gap on us a little bit, but I've been a friend of mine for a long time. So a shout out to Dan. Happy birthday. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit of World of Outlaws. Bert, we've been talking sweet. We've been talking gravel. There's a new sheriff in town, new point leader, and a possible race of the year candidate. Um, we had a fan question come in, and, and I like. So, fans, if you have questions, comments, feedback, fire us over some stuff. We got a pretty cool one, you know, with the nostalgia from last week. We're going to talk about 
the difference between today's racing and the racing back like in the mid to late 90s. The Kyle Larson show at the Gap, Bulls Gap, four late model events in a 10-day period. Is that too much? We'll talk about that. NASCAR on dirt, Bristol. We're going to give our grade. We're going to talk about Bristol and kind of what we took out of that event. Our picks, our bold predictions, but first, a little sadness in the racing world. Uh, locally, locally, if you're a Western Wisconsin guy, you're familiar with Jim Falls, Rice Lake, that area. Darren Hazelton uh, lost his life here this past week. And the Hazelton family, of course, huge in racing, Bert, in the Rice Lake area, in the Jim Falls area. Um, just a bunch of really fun, good people, love racing, passionate about it. Thoughts and prayers go to the family and friends of Darren Hazelton. Um, always sad to see that. Um, and then on the track, something we never want to see, ever, right? We know people pass, and, and it's a terrible deal. But I tell you, it's a little too close to home when one of our very own does it on a racetrack. Bert, talk about that. Justin Owen, you sent over a pretty cool video. So 26-year-old driver um, racing USAC non-wing sprint cars at Lawrenceburg in Indiana, upside down, bad deal. You know, uh, you saw that video there. Talk a little bit about that. And, you know, what's your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, uh, a local TV station uh, did a story um, about the incident, about the accident and the death, and uh, they actually interviewed uh, Justin's dad. And, um, you know, I mean, the one thing about the accident is, you know, for all those people who say, well, that, that'll never happen to me, you know, I, I'm more experienced, you know, I, he was a track champion at that track. So right. last year, last year. Yeah. So don't ever say that, you know, it can never happen to, to you. Um, but uh, yeah, sad deal. Um, and, um, you know, I am not exactly sure. Uh, I mean, in the story, his dad said that he hit a rut and that's what caused the car to uh, um, start rolling and head towards the wall. Um, but the thing in the video that, you know, I was unaware of until I saw this and I don't want to say that, you know, um, no good comes out of this, but um, Justin was an organ donor, and um, his org everything that that they were able that he was able to donate is going to help eighty people. And like I said, I mean, no good comes out of it, but um, he made the best. You know, by being an organ donor, he continued to keep giving. Yeah, I mean, he dies a hero, right? That's what his dad even said in the video. Right. He dies a hero, you know, and, and the, it's a it's a sad situation. Gone way too young. Sounds like he was engaged to be married, yeah. got a promotion at work. I mean, things were all looking up. And we, as a racer, we all joke about it. The old uh, Days of Thunder deal, right? I'm more afraid of being nobody than I am of being hurt in a race car. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of the mentality you have to have, right? Because if you have that fear in your mind that something could happen, it's time to just get out. It's time to not be in a race car. And, you know, it's a, it's definitely a tragic deal, but and we all know we, you know, organ donating, you know, being an organ donor is a good deal, right? I mean, if you know somebody that's been, you know, a recipient to that, you know, that's, that's a life-changing deal for, for them. Yeah. So it's, it's good that he's able to help. I so mean, many. You know, I, I, 
I'm an organ donor, you know, I mean, if I can help in, you know, in my death, if I can help anybody else keep living, you know, you know, take whatever you need. I don't need it anymore at, right. at, at that point. But and getting back to the accident for a little bit, then, you know, this wasn't in a race. I mean, this was, he was the only one on the track. And so you just never know when it can happen. Right. Yeah. Time trials. And I, I believe, I feel like it was time trials tonight too, down at, uh, at Lakeside in the, in the sprint car action. We're filming this of course on Tuesday, there was a pretty wicked one there too. A guy got, uh, sounds like he was moving. He was alive, alert, but uh, sounds like a driver actually tumbled hard and got life flighted out of there. Um, so he had, I don't know if it was precautionary. I don't know any details, but man, that's uh, kind of eerie that two major ones in sprint car racing in a couple of weeks and things tumble and let's face it. Yeah. I mean, every one of us, Bert, all of us, right. That have been a sprint car, non-wing sprint car fan. You're like, Oh man, it's exciting. When then things start tumbling, they don't stop. Well, there's somebody in that thing, right? I mean, it's, right. the car is one thing, but there's somebody in that thing. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tragic deal and thoughts and prayers to the friends, family, and, and everybody involved uh, with, uh, with Justin Owen, you know, that's a, that's a sad deal. So Bert, let's jump on to the next segment here, a blast to the past. And I'm going to talk to you about something after the show here, we're going to change something up just a little bit. So stay tuned fans for that. But of course, this uh, this segment brought to you by Impact Health Sharing. So if if you pay for your own health insurance, if you're a business owner and you cover employees or self-employed, you cover yourself, or if you don't have health care because it costs too much, I might have an option for you. I've been able to save people literally thousands of dollars annually with this product, uh, 218-969-1380. Shoot me a text. I'll get you a quote. I'll get you some information. And if it's something that can help you out, I'd love to help you save money on your health care. That way you can put more money into race cars because that's a way more fun than health care. I promise. So 172 slash 72. And Bert, I got some good ones. I got some fun ones here this week. Who do you have for 72? Let's kind of go back and forth. Do you have a few? How many you got? I only have one 72. All right, I'll start then because you, we'll put you in the middle. We'll put you in the middle. So my buddy, Lauren, he sends us over uh, pictures and stories, and, and he really enjoys this segment. He's like me and you. We love, we love history of racing. So he, he's really been cool as far as contributing to this. And uh, a guy, if you're in the Twin Ports area, we all know a guy by the name of Jeff Berg. Jeff Berg, uh, I, I didn't even know, Bert, that he ran a street stock years back. And then he jumped into the modifieds um, still to this day. He's not racing dirt cars anymore, but he's still, uh, he still competes, especially on the ice and motorcycles. He's ran the two wheel stuff a lot, had a lot of success, but he, I remember in the modified super, super fast. He track champion, I think multiple times and a uh, couple things here. So do you remember in the movie six pack Bert, where, they they took apart the remember they took apart the cop car I think it was six pack, um yeah it was a, it was six pack they took apart the cop car and they're like oh it's happening and the car's all falling apart going down the road remember that part where uh, kinda yep so so they literally had somebody chasing them down and they took stuff apart and loosened the wheels and stuff's falling off and they're like staring out the back of the motorhome so he Lawrence told me a story 
in in Proctor, he rolled over in turn three and four, literally landed on the back half of Jeff Lee and Street Stock. Okay. The next lap, Jeff Lee and Street Stock was going around the track and literally the whole body fell off the car except the front clip. He's like, I've never seen anything like this. And uh, man, I, I wish I had pictures of that or video because it reminds me of the episode of, or the movie Six Pack when literally parts are just falling off. Jeff Lean probably wouldn't think that was very funny or, or very cool, but Lauren got a kick out of that one. Another thing, Bert, in 1999, so we talked about track championship, people changing motors, me and Chonga, Jim talked about that last week, but he remembers a specific night. There was a final night of the year at the Superior Speedway, Superior, Wisconsin. He's leading the points in his modified, hurts the engine in the, I believe, the heat race, right? So him and Ed Wakefield, who was a, another great competitor, they literally took the engine apart between the heat and the feature. Eddie is putting the head, cylinder heads back on, not with a torque wrench. He's using, I talked to a couple different people on this, used an impact wrench, and then he was kind of arm strong in them, like just throwing it back together. Got it back together, went out there, finished well enough. I don't know where he finished in the race, but he finished well enough to lock up the track championship at the Superior Speedway. Bert, it's stories like that we just don't hear anymore. So super cool stuff. And, and uh, Jeff Berg, a guy that won a lot of races over there. So, Bert, who do you got? 72. Um, well, I'm going to say a name. And uh, you're going to have to I give you one guess to uh, guess who this person is. Um, I think you'll understand when I say the name. Um, number 72. Uh, raced in the sportsman division and then uh, later on he raced in the IMCA modified division uh, Dave Ritchie is that Justin Ritchie's dad yes <laughs> nice nice okay okay so you got you got pictures of him I hope so we can throw up here so I don't know is I'll, Justin I'll Ritchie one, yeah. is he second generation or a third generation racer I'm not sure I'm not so sure somebody if somebody yeah. from that neck of the woods knows, go ahead and post that in the comments. Love to hear more about that. But Dave Ritchie, you said, did he run it at what, Plymouth and Shano? Or? He raced at Shano. I, I do believe he won a track championship in the sportsman division. Okay. Um, I'll have to double check on that, though. And, Another... and before, before we go any further, though, uh, we forgot. Uh, I mean, he was an asphalt driver, but last week we forgot a very important NASCAR driver who was number 71, who's from Wisconsin. Dave Marcus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we forgot a bunch. I mean, there's Leon <laughs> Rhodes. I mean, there's there's several that we forgot in there, you know, and, uh, you know, that that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're going to be, I'm going to touch on this. We'll talk about this after the show, but this segment here has become one of the fan favorites and, and I, I love it. So I, I want to put a little bit more into this and maybe separate this part of it out into its own entity. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So I'm going to jump into a guy that's from Menominee, Wisconsin. He ran, you know, Menominee, Rice Lake. He kind of ran around that area. I remember him back in the day, Bert, in the Superstock division. He transitioned into the mods, Stiver Steve Rudiger. So Rudiger... I remember back in 81, uh, 81, 82, you know, watching Ron Jones in the red seven, and then in my dad's car. I mean, 
it was pretty cool. You know, when you're a little kid, you know, and your dad's racing, you kind of migrate around the grandstands and all of a sudden somebody kind of takes you under their wing. Well, I remember Steve Rudiger's wife, and I don't remember her name. I'm probably going to get my butt kicked if I ever see her. Um, but her and Arvid Jeske and his wife, they all kind of took me under their wing. And I used to love going to the Punky. They'd come up for hibbing. And uh, the Rudigers really treated me good as a little kid. I'm talking seven, eight years old. And then in, remember that story about Ron Jones breaking at the Labor Day shootout, going in, jumping in another guy's car, went back on the track. They, they said, you can't do that. Went back in the pits. They, they remember that story? Not really. All right. 1981 Labor Day shootout. Ron Jones is up there in a super stock in the red seven. Okay. He's leading the Labor Day shootout. All of a sudden he starts slowing down, kind of fading, loses a spot or two, car breaks. He's stuck up on the high side. Yellow comes out. They push him down in the pits. They stopped all the cars. Remember back in the day, they stopped everybody on the front straightaway, relined them up. They gave him a little time. He literally got out of his car in the infield, Bert, jumps in another car. Okay, jumps in another car. Bert, you struggling over there, buddy? No, I, I, I'm I, not hitting on you by wink. I have an eye infection, so. I, I, um. I'm like, so, <laughs> so this must be a podcast thing. I watch Purple Daily, and one of my one of the boys <laughs> on there for the Purple Daily had an eye deal going on. I'm like, is he winking at me? Is he falling no, asleep? I'm not winking at you. I just have on? an eye infection. Oh, boy, that's no good. That, it's, yeah. yeah, that, yeah I, I heard stories on how that happened. I don't know. So, <laughs> So, okay, back to the story. So he, he goes in the pits, right? Red flag, they're lining the cars back up. Next thing you know, Ron Jones is back on the track, but in a different car. And I'm talking there's less than 10 laps to go, six, eight laps left in the feature. He's out there in another car. It was Steve Rudiger's car. He didn't make the feature that night. They taped over the two. He had a red car. It was a seven. He's like, I'll just go to the back. I'll start the back in this. And they're like, guy you can't do this what are you doing right what are you doing so he goes back in the pits but here's the deal when he got back in the pits they had a quick change for Andy. broke gears they had the gears changed he got back in his car went back on the track started in the back i think he rolled back up to fourth fifth place or whatever but man what a show i mean the crowd was just engaged and that's when the pit was pits were in the infield so people could see all this stuff super cool story uh, related to steve rudiger there now one of my rivals, Bert, um, one of my biggest rivals in my super stock days, Dave Moss, uh, very talented. He's won in everything he's been, multiple time national champion. Um, Brian Hathaway, I believe he owned a number 72. I think he was the owner. For sure, he was a main sponsor, but that car was like a community car. I remember down in the Princeton area, Cedar Lake, Pete Stanius was in that car a bunch. Next thing you know, Dave Moss, I think that's where he cut his teeth in the Superstock, was in the 72. Don Shaw actually won feature races in the 72. I don't know if he ran it a whole year or just part-time. A guy by the name of Dennis Baskey, who went on to play in the NHL, um, hockey player. So Puka, your, your boy, hockey player, he ran the 72. So kind of a, a community 72 car. Our boy Mike sent over some pictures. So, Mike, thanks for that. Now, another one, Bert, that I have is my daughter's grandpa, right? So my daughter's mom's dad, Bob Willard from over in Hibbing. So I, I raced against him in 1991, 92, parked next to him. In fact, that's how I met Whitney's mom, all right? We don't need to go into any more detail than that. Sorry, Bob. 
Um, but kind of a cool story. Just a great guy. Great family. Um, I mean, one of the guys at the racetrack that like everybody liked, highly competitive, won features, um, raced very clean, had a short career. It kind of ended with the hobby stock era back in the early 90s. And uh, my daughter sent me over some pictures, got a couple cool ones posted up here. Kind of a neat story. Remember everything back then, Bert, was hand-lettered, right? Pretty much everything was hand-lettered. His mom, which would have been Whitney's great-grandma, hand-lettered all of his race cars. So kind of a neat deal back uh, for Bob Willard from Hiving, Minnesota. Another one, Bert, that I have for you. This is a quiz. I got a quiz. All right, get you put your thinking cap on here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bert Lehman. Are you ready? All right. 1989 dirt track world champion winner at Pensboro. I don't know. <laughs> 1987. He finished second at the World 100 to Randy Box. I don't know. 1997, the Johnny Appleseed winner. Well, all the Conleys are in the 70s. Is he a Conley? 71. 71s. They're 71s. We forgot Delmas and Hot Rod Conley, all them. So, good guess. That was one guess. 1985, North South 100 winner at Florence. I don't know. 2003 National Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame inductee. I don't know. From Millersburg, Ohio. He had your name on his quarter panel. Big, huge Bert on his quarter panel. I mean, it was transmissions. It wasn't Bert Layman, <laughs> right? But it was, it said Bert. I, so long before the one to go show comes out, this guy, huge fan of Bert Layman, said it all over his car. I don't know. Your biggest fan, nobody else has your name all over the car like that. Your biggest fan, you don't even know the guy's name. No. Nope. Racing <laughs> John Mason. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah there you go. Racing John. I remember him. He'd make it down to Speed Weeks every year. So, Another one I got here. So Dan sent one over, a friend of his family, guy that I competed with, Tim Cotter, super stock guy from Superior, had a had a fairly long career, ran supers. I know he ran some in the mods, never did get a feature, but I remember this event. He uh so two things. Okay, first of all, one day, you know, every that whole family they're pretty tight with Nesbitt. He wrecked his super and uh, somehow we talked Nesbitt out of one of his old Rayburns that was sitting down at affordable chassis. John and Joe down there and Charlie said, yeah, well, we can take this thing. And they made an old Rayburn into a super. They front clipped it and they put super stock mounts on the back. So kind of a neat story there. You can't do that. Nobody does that anymore. But Bert, did you know that with Soda Super Stocks, their inception, they were originally late models with stock front clips put on them. So that's how they started. Late With Soda Super Stocks were late models with front clips. Okay. The other thing is, I did not know this. You've been to the USA Nationals for many years. Did you know they used to run supers at the USA Nationals? Um, I don't recall seeing supers 
I remember seeing winged modifieds race there one time. I do too. And he, he seems to think it was the USA nationals. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I feel, I, I feel like I was there for this event, but Dan remembers that as USA nationals, if he's wrong, somebody, somebody go ahead and uh, correct that. So after the 100 lap, a main him and Ron Mater, who got back in a couple time national champ, they're running first and second and, checked out which at cedar they had a pretty stout field car so checking out there was tough well got into turn three literally whipped it out stomped all over it spun out in front of the pack gassed it down in the infield because he thought he was going to get t-boned he looked back he's like holy shit i could have did a 360 and kept going because they were that far ahead and uh, dan doesn't recall i remember that incident because he was running really good and uh, but I don't recall if he finished or if he got if he got second or whatever. But uh, Tim Cotter, a guy from Superior, now he spends his time, I, I guess, uh, charter. I think he does charter fishing, Bert, out on Lake Superior. So uh, a good guy there. And the last one I have is another. Uh, we'll call it a legacy family for the Iron Rangers for the folks from Northern Minnesota. But this guy, Lynn Johnson, I remember him back in the Superstock days, early '80s. I called his car Miss Pac-Man. It was a red, white, and blue, really kind of a hatchback-looking deal. It kind of looked like Miss Pac-Man going around the track. It was just kind of odd-shaped. Then he transitioned into a modified. But his dad, I remember his dad, Carl, um, always at the races. One of the nicest people that you ever meet. You know, lost his life here a couple of years back. But just a great, great guy that used to come to Hibbing, Crocker, Superior, Grand Rapids. And uh, so Lynn Johnson went on. He, he's helped several roles at a racetrack did some teching his son adam is now racing a modified super nice kid as well so a little tribute there to lynn johnson so kind of a fun episode i like i, I love that blast of the past thanks to everybody for sending in this stuff and you know i, I love that too you know you got lauren you got mike you got dan you got people sending in stuff and i think that's super cool so 73 coming up so race fans if you got a favorite 173 or 73 Send it to Bert, send it to myself, send some stories, send some pictures. We love that, and we appreciate the feedback there. So, Bert, let's get into a little buggy action, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. And uh, before we do, quick shout-out to our friends, and uh, I'll let you give them a little love there on the show. Brad Parson, right? You got you give them a little love there. I see you're wearing the hoodie. So, Egg Solutions by Brad Parson. Bert, we talked about it. Snow is going away. It's in its 70s, it's going to be in its 80s. That means what? Farmers are going to get crops in the fields very soon. That's awesome. And uh, hopefully they have a good planting season. Well, if you want a great planting season, have the right stuff in your spray packages. What's the right stuff? I don't know. I know that Brad Parson knows, right? Give him a call. 320-219-3542. He has a lot of data. Maybe maybe get some samples, get, get enough to kind of do a portion of your crops and get your own results. But he said, man, the people that are using this increase yields, increase profitability, which we all like. Um, so get a hold of Brad Parson and see if you can have a great um, 2023 planting and harvest season. So, Bert, did you watch the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars this past weekend? I did watch them. Boy, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I actually, uh, the, the first one, I actually watched, um, the whole race, not the condensed highlights. So, 
that race, I'm telling you what. So what he's talking about here, US 36 Raceway this past Friday night. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, as far as sprint car goes, it's clear easily the race of the year so far in the sprint cars. I mean, and there ain't, that was incredible. A battle between uh, Brad Sweet, Carson Macedo, and eventual winner, Sheldon Hoddenschild, who I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> I'm going to take credit or credits due. Little one to go show mojo right there, right? We called him out and said, man, this guy's kind of struggling. He's slumping. 26 race winless streak with the world of all odds. 26 races. Sheldon Hotshot was red hot the last couple of years. Well, not only did he get it done, but did you see that movie took the lead on early, like kind of middle of the race, and then he kind of lost it and got back? The one where he went up on the high side and it's like, yeah. holy balls. Yeah, he went on the high side and made it three wide to pass for the lead. And actually, what I was thinking when he made that that uh, move was, uh, yeah, Aho and Layman, hold my beer. And <laughs> yeah, because that's we, we, we called them out last week. The, the old one to go show magic worked again. It did. I, and I tell you what, a lot of people are like, well, okay, cool. He went three wide. He threaded the needle. There was not much room there, right? I mean, if I think it was Macedo was a high guy there and Sweet was on the bottom. If he moves up at all, he's cartwheeling down the front straightaway. I mean, it was a ballsy move. It was highly, highly entertaining. If you haven't watched that race, jump on Dirt Vision. It, it's it's worth watching that race because it's, it's that entertaining, even though you already know the winner. The other cool thing, Bert, it was his dad's birthday, right? The old wild yep. child, Jack Hoddenshield, 65 years young. Um, what a great birthday present. So hats off to uh, Hoddenshield Racing there. And then 81 Racing, um, second World of Outlaw win on the season for Rico Abreu. I tell you what, he's uh, he's kind of he's on it this year. He's, he's been fun to watch. Yeah, he's been fun to watch. And, I mean, um him and Carson Macedo were battling at the end. I mean, actually, uh, for the end of the race, that was, uh, that race was actually more exciting than the first one, the end of the race, right. uh, the last couple laps, um, because, uh, Rico and Macedo were, uh, you know, you didn't know who was going to win in, until the last lap, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, both races were very entertaining, uh, and, um, I think we're gonna, well, maybe we're, not going to get in well we will get into it but uh gravel had problems in the first race and then sweet had problems in the second race so uh right you know, and so that's why we have a new uh points leader in the world of outlaw sprint car series yeah carson macedo new sheriff in town he's the only driver this year bert to finish in the top 10 in all of the races so he's been highly consistent very fast what do you have a he had a pair of seconds, right? Yeah, he had he had second both nights this weekend. So, Macedo, a, a guy to keep an eye on right there. You know, we talked about gravel. We talked about sweep. But Macedo was in the mix last year. You mentioned that yeah. on the show last week that if not for, I don't remember what the penalty was for, but he ended up losing a bunch of points. He would have been in the mix. So, nice three-way three, three battle, um, 20 points separating the top three, Macedo, gravel, and sweep. So, uh, pretty things are shaping up and I'll be honest I was kind of like you know the world of outlaw sprint car racing I mean it was all right but it really there up until this weekend there was nothing that really stood out like oh man this is this is great what a great weekend for world of outlaws that, that was a very very good weekend of racing now they're going to I-55 this weekend for a double header 
another bull ring down there in uh, in Missouri. So I think we're looking for a couple more good races. So World of Outlaw Racing, uh, I tell you what, if you're a fan, Dirt Vision's got the action, and it's really, really fun to watch. So we're going to get into we got some fan feedback here, Bert. we got a great question here from uh, from Joe, friend of the show, loves the show. And uh, before we get into that, quick shout out, buyracehurts.com. You know, whether you're a race team, um, you own a business, you have a club, right? Whatever it is, right? If you need apparel, you need hats, t-shirts, hoodies, cancru, I don't care what you need, right? If you need anything apparel related, buyracehurts.com. They have several different options on pricing. They got, you know, you can do fancy, you can do basic, you can do big quantities, low quantities, you name it. For racers, buy racers, buy racers.com. Check them out. So here's what he sent in. Uh, he sent in an email, Bert, and it said, with the throwback episode from last week, kind of throwing it back to the past, I got to thinking how much different racing is today than it was back in the mid to late 90s. He said, I can barely uh, even recognize it. It's like not even the same sport. It's changed a lot. Two questions I have is one, is that good or bad? Two, what are your top 10 biggest differences, things that have changed, right, from racing in the 90s to racing today? Thanks, guys. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Joe, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. And uh, Bert, I'll let you start. Did you put together a list of 10? What are, what are 10 things that kind of stuck out to you? And maybe we'll touch on going to a little depth on this because – Racing has changed. It's changed a lot. First of all, before we get into our top 10, do you think it's for the better, for the worse? I mean, overall, what's your, what's your thoughts? Um, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because it is what it is. Um, I mean, some things are, some things are for the better. Some things I think are not for, for the better. Um, but you know what I think, is for the better others may not think you know um i mean i do have a list of 10 i didn't put them in any particular order i just have a list of 10 10 things um you want me to start yeah just go down you know take your time go one through 10 i'm gonna cross off because we probably have some crossover here so if okay cross off anything that okay um more, more money more money more money for specials but not necessarily weekly shows <laughs> yeah i mean you're right that's one of the things that's better right if you're an open late model guy if you're a usmts mod guy if you're a, if you're a national traveling series guy there's some big money i mean jonathan davenport two million dollars in earn over two million in earnings last year i mean that's that wasn't happening in the 90s right i just it wasn't and i mean this this could be a case where this is good for the the top drivers um but for some tracks, it's not good. Uh, just as an example, um, I mean, now a ten thousand dollar show, ten thousand to win show by itself will no longer attract a national driver to your track. I mean, right. if if you don't, uh, unless there's two or three of others in the area, um, ten thousand. And I can remember back in the nineties, you know. Moyer, you know, and all those guys, they'd be traveling all over the country for 5,000 to win shows. Right, <laughs> right. right. And, and things have changed. I mean, obviously, right. for the teams that are in the national traveling teams, you know, it's, it's hard to do that because obviously fuel, tires, cost of everything has gone through the roof. So 
obviously, that it's nice to see that the purses for the national touring teams have kind of followed the trend of the cost of racing. That hasn't happened in weekly racing. That that hasn't, you know, right. cost of everything's gone up. The weekly purses are the same, and that's not a knock on promoters. That just is what it is, you know? Right. And then uh, another one I have is build it and they will buy it. Uh, more technology drives up the cost of racing. That is so true. So, so Bert, back when I, and this kind of date myself a little bit, but even in the supers, right? When I was running in the super stocks, we ran stock tie rods. I'd go to the junkyard out to Brad Nosey's out there in uh, northern, uh, north of Chisholm, and, and we'd unbolt lower A-frames, steering boxes, right? We'd unbolt uh, tie rods and everything. We'd unbolt all that stuff in the junkyard, clean it up, and that was our spare parts. That don't happen. Well, first of all, junkyards don't have anything anymore because they scrap everything, and those cars are a little bit dated. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, boy, things sure have changed. I mean, a lot of technology for sure. Well, when I started in MJ's pit crew, one of the things I had to do was uh... – uh, lubricate the sliders on the leaf springs <laughs> <laughs> the old leafers right yeah that, that's changed a little bit too so maybe we bring those leafers back get rid of some of that technology and make the drivers do the work <laughs> all right another one i have is uh bring back the wedge uh aerodynamics invade dirt dirt racing scene i mean back in the 90s you never nobody talked about aerodynamics for the most part that's kind of what the wedge was, right? You well, know, the wedge, yeah. You know, the wedge was arrow, and they had the big sideboards. I mean, that was like the ultimate amount. Without them knowing wind tunnel testing, I don't think you probably can get more air downforce than what the wedge car, the true wedges like right. Charlie Schwartz and the sideboards. Um, you know, but I think people realize it now how much of a difference that is, and. I talked to some drivers and they said back when they had them big wedge cars, you couldn't see nothing. They were so, well, the yeah, was, yeah, so the yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of a little nostalgia. I mean, now, now you look at the cars, the, you know, the bodies are all kitty wampus and the decks are sunk and, you know, you didn't have all of that stuff back in the, back in the nineties. No, but yeah, I mean, basically the wedge was aero, you know, was because it was aerodynamic. So, right, right. Um, for the next one, uh, I'm going to be Oprah. You get a division, you get a division. Um, tracks keep adding support divisions, but car counts don't necessarily increase. Well, there's one thing I know about Bert. <laughs> I love me some pizza, right? I love a little shout out my buddy Mike Mackey, Domino's. Whitney works at Domino's. Love me some Domino's pizza. They sponsor Jesse Glenn's as well. If you have a large pizza, right, and you cut it into eight slices, and you have another large pizza, and you cut it into 16 slices, which one gives you more pizza? Neither. The pie is the same size, right? You're just cutting it into smaller sizes. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what you're, what you're saying here. You know, you have the same amount of people to kind of choose from, right? Well... If you have eight classes, now you have eight cars in each class. If you have four classes, you have 16 in each class. It's simple math. Hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but um, but I think you're right. That is one of the biggest differences, I think, in racing right now is so many classes, so few cars per class. That's, that's a very good point. 
All right, then next one I have is um, we don't care anymore. Weekly points championships don't mean that much anymore. Yeah, and that comes down to, I think that I'll, I'll piggyback on that, right? I'm going to piggyback on that right now, and I'm going to cross this off my list. So the reason that people, one of the reasons people don't chase track championships anymore is when do they have specials? See, back back in the mid-90s, right, what we're talking, is if, if they had specials like in Wasoda country, right, and what your area was Wasoda country in late models at that time. Well, if they wanted to have a special, that special was during the week, Labor Day weekend on, it was weekend invitationals, but during the bulk of the season, they were protecting all the member tracks and they were having special events on non-regular weekly race nights. Well, what did that make what did that make happen? That made the drivers stay home and support their local racetrack. That's what that did. That's exactly why that rule was in place. And then you have promoters, and this is all on promoters, and which is also on drivers, Bert, because a lot of drivers are promoters, right? And they're like, well, I mean, we don't want to have a special on a Tuesday. It'd be better for us to have a special on a Friday. We're going to get more fans. Well, then on the flip side, they're whining, going, all these tracks are having specials. Like, we're losing all of our fans. We were losing all of our drivers. Y'all did it to yourself, and I'm probably included in that, Bert. I, I am, because I was on the promoting side and on the driving side. I wanted I wanted specials all the time. And people are like, well, we got to work during the week. Well, I get it. That's fine, right? But these special, these so-called watered-down specials they have on Friday, Saturday, Sunday during the year, it is absolutely terrible. It's killing weekly racing, and weekly racing builds a fan base and it creates so much excitement the track championships were huge they meant something and and what it, bert and shano was it kind of a big deal was it was the fan base more passionate when it was getting towards the end of the year and there was battles for track championships yeah i think so um i mean it was you know back in the 90s yeah i mean drivers didn't travel to other tracks the race in specials i mean it was a big deal to well p park was about the only one who did i mean he he would he would miss shows but other than that you know it was a dogfight until the end of the season and winning that championship that was very prestigious um to have that championship and and let's be honest right and, and i'm speaking on i'll put my racer hat on here right well, do you want to be the guy that, well, I won one of the 872 so-called specials during the year. Like everything's a special. Oh, we got this special, that special, this special. We talk about them on the show. They're fun because they have more cars. I get it, right? But does it mean more to win a, a so-called special during the season that's got 20-some cars? Or when you look back over time, be like, you know what? I won this, this many track championships. That's a body of work it's different for everybody myself. Like I was a point racer. I, it just bothers the heck out of me, all these specials. And I would love to see more of an emphasis on the track points. Todd, uh, um, Todd Staley posted today that at his track in Iowa, they enhanced the, the payout for the track championships as a, as kind of a means to try to make them mean more, but that's what it's going to take. If, if you want track championships to matter, you got to get rid of the week, the weekend specials. Got to get rid of that and show me the money. 
<laughs> show me the money. You got to incentivize it. But yeah, you're spot on. I think that's a, that's a big deal. All right. This next one, I'm not saying this just because uh, I have an eye infection, uh, <laughs> but my eyes hurt. Um, wraps take over racing graphics and some go way overboard on them. Uh, it doesn't matter how nice the car looks if spectators can't read your sponsors on the side of the car. Stop with the sparkles and crazy assortments of lines and graphics. <laughs> Boy, that has changed. I mean, and, and really, I mean, we could just start with keeping it simple and saying hand painted versus wraps and vinyl, right? And, you know, you look back to some of the old, I don't know who they were in your area, but you know, there was a guy by the name of Joe and man, I don't remember his last name. I remember, I remember being a little kid, maybe seven, eight years, six, seven, maybe years old, sitting there next to him on a box in my dad's shop as he was hand painting my dad's race car. He'd be like, Hey, here's the brush, fill it, fill in the middle. He'd kind of do the outline of the number. And then I paint the middle and then he'd smooth it all out. Cause it looked like hell if I did it. <laughs> and then, you know, people like, like, uh, Mark Trember you know people like eddie oz the late shane johnson buddy of mine friend of mine that lettered some of my cars and uh, boy they did some nice work and they were clean you could read them from a distance and the the wraps bert in a car show in a mall you know something like that oh man they look awesome from up close mm -hmm. on the track i mean i mean especially watching now on streaming right you look at them and like up close they're awesome on the screaming, you can't read one single sponsor on their car. You're lucky if you can read the number on some of the cars. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think you're spot on with that. All right. Um, uh, next one I have is uh, streaming races becomes acceptable. Um, and now, I mean, it's just part of the racing culture. I mean, with, with uh, um, the addition of Flow Racing, they kind of started the, um, that's when it became an in thing, I think, um, for streaming. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think Rigsby there was kind of one of the pioneers, of course, with that, with, with dirt on dirt and some of the broadcasts they did, but, um, you know, good, bad, indifferent. I, as, as a person that's driving truck all over the countryside, man, am I pumped that you got things like, you know, dirt race central that we could watch racing on and stay kind of up to date. You know, and some people will argue. Some people will say, well, it's killing racing. No, lack of promoting is killing racing. Okay. Well, lack of I mean, just let, I mean, granted, this was a special, and I mean, Kyle Larson was there, but you know, last Tuesday's race at uh, Bulls Gap, I mean, the stands were jam packed, um, but you and I wouldn't have been able to watch that race if it weren't for streaming. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly right. And there's a prime example, heavily promoted. There was something different, right? A Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, you know, was Chase Briscoe there? Was he the yes. other? Yeah, yeah he, the he broke NASCAR his guys there. He broke a finger there. <laughs> Did he really? Oh, boy. Yeah, he so, hit the wall and broke a finger. Oh, boy. So, yeah, you look at that, you're spot on, right? You have that was promoted well, capacity crowd. Now, tonight, it's Tuesday. They have an event down. They had an event down at Bulls Gap, same racetrack, basically the same cars. In fact, there might have been a few more. There's a few more cars, right? Maybe they no, they didn't have the NASCAR guys there, and you weren't going to have a problem finding a place to seat to sit. I mean, it was lit. Now, 
again, it was on a Tuesday. It didn't have the extra draw, and they have another show coming up here at the end of the week. But that streaming, Bert, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, tracks don't need to say, oh, we got to get rid of streaming. No, you need to find a way to promote, get more people there, and have more value being at the track than watching it online. That's that's the that's the art of promoting today. And uh, but it's not just it's just not it's not just streaming that particular race, right? Literally, we can watch racing online seven days a week. So that's different. That's definitely mm-hmm. different. It's not just racing. Like I can jump on my phone, right? And I can watch podcasts. I can watch sports. I can watch movies. Back in the 90s, you were not watching TV on your phone. So no. you can take streaming and just enhance that to the internet. I mean, people are highly entertained by that little computer in their hands. And uh, that was definitely not the case. So that that's, that is that might be one of the biggest changes since the 90s, for sure. All right. And my next one is um, we have to issue an, am- issue an amber alert for this one. Where's the water? Uh, <laughs> heavy, heavy tracks. I mean, the 90s was was uh, dominated by heavy track. I mean, at Shano, cars would pack for an hour before the races um, to get the track Can you, ready. Okay, let's back this up. Can you explain to the new fans, right? What are you packing? Like, what do you, I don't, like back, packing stuff in a box, packing the stands. I New fans might not know what that is. Um, they would, the cars would get on the track and just drive around slowly, lap after lap after lap because the track was had to get packed in because it had moisture in it. <laughs> Water, tear-offs, mud, mud scrapers. No, we don't all like rough and overly muddy tracks, but there's something to be said for moisture at the beginning of the night, which everybody's got their opinion on track, but that is that is hugely different, right? Whether you like dry slick, you like mud, whatever, whatever your preference is, huge difference. Because in the 90s, you packed everywhere. One of the cool things back in the day, and some tracks did it even recently, during wheel packing, you could actually have people ride with, you know, depending on what kind of car you had, right? You know, the old pure stocks and hobby stocks back in the day, you could have people ride. I remember letting pit guys go out and pack the track and all that stuff, but that that is a huge difference. That does not happen in today's world very often. It's got to be a rainstorm or something to be to be wheel packing for sure. Yep. Uh, my next one is improvements in safety. Uh, now uh, drivers have the Hans device. Um, a lot of the tracks got at least, I think every track in my area got rid of the guardrails, you know, uh, and went to a cement block. Um, I mean, I, I, it always sucked when you're at Shano Speedway and somebody got into the rickety guardrail because that they tear like 10 feet down. So then they'd have to get the welders and they, they would chain it back up. And I mean, it wasn't safe. And um, I know Tom Nair was a big advocate for getting rid of the guardrails. Uh, he did not like, I mean, while well, he was involved in a, in a bad accident at Shano Speedway one time and he tore out a good section of guardrails on the back stretch. And, uh, you know, guardrails can be, I mean, I know people complain about the damage that concrete walls do, but you don't guardrails, if they split apart, they can pierce the car. I mean, actually, I don't know if you ever heard of Larry Deachin. 
Um, he was an asphalt driver, but he got, he was killed in a racing accident at Wisconsin International Raceway in Kakana in the early 80s. Um, Alan Quickie got into him and Deachins went spinning to the inside and hit some guardrails on the inside and the guardrails pierced the car and pierced him. And, wow. and so, yeah, guardrails are, they, they can be not good. Yeah, most tracks have gotten rid of them. There's still a few out there. The next thing, maybe in the next 10 years, we can get rid of is wall openings. A lot of tracks have. I Hopefully that's next. So that, that uh, the safety stuff, that, that's a spot on for sure. All right. And then my last one is the influence of black sunshine. Racing memorabilia explodes, not just items that are created, but race used items also. That. The, that whole market right there, I mean, that's a sports memorabilia market, but you look <laughs> behind Bert, die cast cars. That's, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. So yeah, you're spot on. So I have a few different ones, right? Kind of take a little different curve. So I have uh, officials. Remember when officials, I don't know if they still do over there, but in my area, right? For years, officials wore white pants, yeah. right? They all did. Hey, and there was a time, Bert, and this was pre-mid-90s, where if you were in the pits, you were wearing white pants. That was an absolute deal, and now that is not the case, right? That is definitely not the case. So white pants, that was a pretty, I got that from a buddy of mine. The, the pit steward, right? The pit steward. So I remember, and what's a pit steward? So some fans are wondering what a pit steward. So for years, right, every track had a guy on the front straightaway that would line cars up. Yellow would come out. There was no receivers, right? So they didn't have that. And they'd stop the cars on the front straightaway. The lap coder would relay it down to the pit steward. And the pit steward would be like, you here, you there, you here, you there. It was a part of the show. It was awesome. Some of my, some of my favorite people, right? My buddy Flex, you know, Flex, uh, we call him Scott Good, but we call him Flex in Proctor. He was a pit steward for a number of years, you know, and just a buddy of ours, Don Hankey and Hiving for a very, very long time. Dave Ruby and Proctor before Flex, Jamie Nutsman over at Cedar Lake, you know, he'd be running backwards and kind of lining people up and Randy uh, Hudson over in Grand Rapids. Of course, he had Chops over in Superior, Wisconsin at that racetrack, but that was a part of the show. We used to love, you know, they and they'd go out and somebody go to the back and they'd be like, point, and they'd be like, <laughs> to the back, you know, and the crowd would be cheering and they'd, they'd make a show out of it, right? And even though we have receivers, I'm telling you what, that is, it's entertainment, right? The Think about the flagmen that are kind of animated and they're jumping around. That's all part of the show. And and that's all kind of a lost art form. But that, that pit steward, Bert, you got any, any thoughts on that? I, I miss that. No, I, do I, as a I agree with you. I mean, I love going to Cedar Lake and watching him. Uh, yeah, he'd be running backwards and pointing cars. I mean, at Shano Speedway um, in the 80s, they didn't do that. They had all the cars stop on the front stretch, and the pitch steward had a big white board with a marker. So they'd call the numbers down, and he'd write on the board the order. So then he would hold up the board, the cars would drive by, and then uh, that's how they lined up. And huh. um and, you know, when I was a kid, I always thought it was cool because there were different signals that the pit steward did and the drivers, you know, like they would go like this, meaning cross over. 
and uh so and, you know as a kid i thought that was just so cool yes yeah i i'm with you i i miss that and and even if it's not needed as much because you have the headset i think just the aesthetics of it i think that is a, a art form to be able to do that and i think some tracks should bring that back so an easy one this is an easy one don't need to spend a lot of time here but the cost i mean I mean, back in the day in the 90s, I mean, people were making a lot of their own stuff. They were fabricating stuff, building their own stuff. And nowadays, I mean, you got to be a business owner or sponsored by somebody extremely wealthy to race in one of the top classes. And even the lower classes are getting out of hand. I mean, it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but something needs to be done to curb the cost so that racers can continue to race and we can get more people involved in the sport. Now, along with that bird is the amount of work. I remember I was always kind of OCD, but it just wasn't as much work. You weren't put, people didn't put as much time in the old, the old, the old cars, even before the nineties, heck people barely ever worked on them. Now they're in the shop all the time. And you know, you're spending 40 hours a week getting your race car ready to go race for two nights of racing. So the amount of time and money put into the sport today compared to then it's it's a bad deal and, and i don't necessarily have all the answers there but man i it's something needs to change to to progress this thing now another thing bert is in our area i don't know about yours but culture as a whole right you talk about the track championships passionate fans i'm talking back in the day in hibbing i can specifically speak on hibbing there was you had the kelly lake section you had the Eastern Iron Range, you know, the Virginia Emily Gilbert, you had that section, the Chisholm section, the Hibbing, everybody had their own section and they had their own, I mean, they were either cheering, booing, flipping people off, screaming, hollering. I mean, it was passionate. It was loud. And now it's like, it's like you're kind of in a library sometimes. You don't have that passion at most places. So track championships, I believe, make that passion magic because they're racing for something i think that's a big deal and along with that passion bert is just less families less kids less young families at the racetracks I, back in the 90s it was i mean there was kids everywhere running around and that's just far less in our area how about your area um yeah i would i would agree with you on that um there's 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 less i can remember back in the 90s there was um like the the well this is this is actually another this could be another thing you know the track photographer would have a photo booth where you could go buy photos you could buy buttons of your favorite racer and and that's not available anymore um i mean in seymour uh dan lewis he's he still takes photos at several tracks and he does have a trailer um where you can buy photos and stuff but with uh you know everybody i mean everybody has a camera now with your phone um so you know you can take pictures in the pits afterwards and stuff but you know you don't have that that interaction for for kids to um buy photos of their favorite drivers and that sort of thing or get them for free, right? Because so Dennis Peterson had a booth, and I, you know, I think uh, uh, Miller, Neil Miller's brother, Trackside Collectibles over in Rice Lake, he has a booth. 
um, man, I don't remember what his first name is. Lauren, I think it's Lauren Miller. But boy, I tell you what, you hit the nail on the head there. I never really thought about that till now. So that obviously, you know, regular cameras with film people, young people are like regular cameras. What the hell are you talking <laughs> about? So like there was a time, guys, where you literally had to take film and put it into the camera, <laughs> take a picture, bring it to a 12 or, you know, bring your 12 hour photos or 24 hour photos and get your pictures back. Sometimes it was a week and you're like, oh man, I hope they turned out. You had no idea. Right. That was a totally different deal, right? Now you're like, well, that one didn't turn out. Click, click, click. And you're looking at your phone, totally different. Yeah. But here's the deal. As a kid, I remember going up to every single driver at the racetrack after the races and be like, hey, you got a, you got a picture of your car? No? Can you stand by your car? I'll take a picture. I want to get a picture of you. And that was a thing. Now, nobody's that. I think that's taken away a lot of the fan driver interaction because the kids don't need to interact. They just take all the pictures they want. I think that, you know, not that they don't give them away, but they give them all away, like on a kid's night. So they do give away a lot of pictures, but I think there's less people coming down after the races to get pictures that that's uh well, less people coming down the pits after the races period. <laughs> right. So that that's part of the culture. You're spot on with it. That's a yeah, good one. I- I just thought of another one, and I don't know if it was just because I was a diehard. Even as a kid, I was a diehard race fan. Um, but I, and I don't know if in Western Wisconsin you guys had this, but like you know, uh, the checkered flag racing news, the Midwest racing news were on sale at the track, and inside those papers was a driver's list. So as the cars are on the track, you could hey that that's who that is, that's who that is. You don't Come have on. any you don't have any of that this year anymore. I and I have that. That's the next thing I had on my list oh. was <laughs> and I and I call it, you know, weekly programs or race reports. Right. I and so Jerry O'Brien, it sounds like he's not doing great health wise, you know, prayers stay healthy, he recovers. But he him and him and Joanne used to sit at the racetrack in our area and they sold checkered flag. I, they might have had Hawkeye too, but I know they sold checkered flag for a long time. And then, of course, they had all the all the dirt was so huge. I mean, Scott Hughes did a great job with that, and it's kind of like everything in print media. It's kind of going by the wayside, which I think flat out sucks because I loved all the dirt. You know, it's nice looking back at some. I wish I would have kept them all. Uh, Lauren Inman kept a bunch, but you're right. You'd literally walk in, and whether they were inserted in there or if they were just a handout they would have a sheet and it would have the results from last week. It would have a recap, a write-up of last week's race might have a picture or two on it. It might have the sponsors, your point standings for your track. And everybody's like, Oh, that's all on my race pass. No, it's different though. Right. It's different. That doesn't tell the story. Those I loved those race recaps. I wish I would have, I wish I would have kept, there was so many really cool ones that I wish I still had. To, and it's kind of fun being able to jump on, vintage iron range dirt track racing and 2020 racing history because they have a lot of that old stuff you can look at and i'm i'm grateful that some people have it but you're right i admit that's that's a lost art form right there that that's one thing channel speedway does have a weekly print program uh it has the point it has the point standings in it uh the results from the previous week and then they have stories about drivers uh that race at the track and stories about other things also that tells me Brad's old school. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So 
another lost. Oh, here's a lost art form for you, Bert. Falling racetracks to see how's the weather. Ding, ding, ding. First of all, oh. first of all, it was right. You know, you call somebody, and all of a sudden you call Cedar Lake Speedway. I don't know if it was Bob or Gary Cook or one of them answering the phone. Hey, you know, Hibbing rained out tonight. What's the weather looking like down there? Oh man, it sprinkled a little bit this morning, but boy, she looks good now. Come on down. All of a sudden you get to the track, it's pouring. You talk to somebody, they're like, shit, it's been raining all day. I'm like, well, what the hell? They're flat out lying. They can't do that anymore. You got the radar on your phone. So calling the racetrack to get a weather report, that that is something that is definitely just doesn't need to happen anymore. Another one I have is uh advertising, right? I mean, I mean, back then print media was a big deal, right? I mean all the dirt and of course weekly newspapers i know what your area probably i mean you would know better than anybody but there'd be a weekly write-up right and that would be in the newspaper the points Uh would be in the newspaper i remember lee bloomquist uh one of the greats should be in the hall of fame up in heaven absolutely should be in the hall of fame for media um for years and years bird he wrote all the articles and and worked with the area newspapers to get not only like race recaps, but he'd sit down with drivers. He'd go over to their shop. He'd visit. He'd do the write-ups. You've done a lot of this yourself. And and that stuff in the newspapers, that was promoting. Well, that don't happen anymore. Heck, I don't think our areas even have a newspaper. You know, radio ads and TV and all that. Now, now you know what they do now? They put a post on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's your advertising. Well, Bert, if you know anything about Facebook and algorithms, let's just be honest. I mean, you can post all day long, but most people don't see what you post. So I think we got to get back to some of the old ways of promoting, maybe well, get a little bit more in your face. And along with that, and it, this was kind of highlighted uh, with the Shano Speedway Fan Fest fiasco from a few weeks ago, um, you know, because it was all over Facebook that this event was going to take place. But, and then, and somebody made a comment, well, it's been all over Facebook. How could the city not know that it was going to take place? Well, they're in a different group that, you know, they're not, they're, you said the algorithm, you know, they're, they don't see those posts because they're not part of the group. So you're making a post that you're preaching to the choir. Right, you're right. not getting outside the church. <laughs> that, that's that's exactly it, and and uh, and people, you, you don't know what you don't know. So if you're not in tune with how Facebook and all that works, some of these promoters are like, "Well, what do you mean they don't see it? I put it on Facebook. I thought everybody saw it." Mm-hmm. Not uh, understand this. Let's say that your page has five thousand followers. Well, only like five percent of those people even see what you post, let alone people outside of that group. Right. So. That is, yeah, that, that can't be your only form of advertising. If it is, you're in big, big trouble. So kind of kind of fun looking back, Bert. There's a lot of differences. I mean, if, if the sport's still the sport. You still go in left-hand turns, right? And you know, the fat, the guy that crosses the checkered flag first still wins. You know, so racing is still a great sport. But, man, uh, just like everything in the world, things progress, things change, some for the better, some for the worse. But it's kind of fun looking back. And, and uh, thanks, uh I appreciate the question there, uh, Joe. Thanks a lot for that. That was a lot of fun. So, Bert, let's jump on national late model scene um, from this past weekend. Of course, brought to you by our friends over at Daytona One Performance Lubricants. 
You know, we talk about the cost of racing. We got to curb that. We got to get that down. It's not just tires. It's everything. It's, it's all of your lubricants. If you have the proper lubricants, right, whether it's in your engine, your gears, your transmission, or the proper chemical, you know, the stuff on your tires, the proper chemicals on your tires, right? The proper lubricants are designed to make your stuff last longer, right? This gentleman here, he's actually in the NASA Hall of Fame for lubricants, multiple different stuff eco-friendly right they've done a lot of testing on this stuff but here's the deal one of the ones that i'm most passionate about a year ago i would not have been but i got educated is is the the tire stuff they got aqua they got three different blends there for tires and what do they do it helps you make your tires last longer there was a time you speaking of back in the 90s bert when i remember getting a cut in a sidewall on a tire right back in the 90s and I would take that tire to Range Firestone. They'd vulcanize the side of it, patch it up, and I'd run it for two more weeks. Now people run a tire one or two nights, period. That's all they run. Them. Well, if you can run a tire an extra one, two, three more nights and still be competitive, would it be worth learning about a product that can help you do that? Well, Daytona One Performance Lubricants has that. How do you get a hold of Chad? 507 828 three five three six okay you know some people think hey tires you can't put stuff on tires that's voodoo do yourself a favor get educated understand what he has and how it can benefit the sport that's what they want to do here they want to they want to help make this sport better give him a call the products are available at dirt track supply and tre and there will be other uh, places coming on the pipeline but give him a call so last week they raced, uh, what was it, Thursday night? They raced at, at the baddest bull ring in the South, Volunteer Speedway, Bulls Gap, Tennessee, the Kyle Larson show, literally, right? It was a Kyle Larson, I think, classic. He hosted this event, 20,000 to win. Bert, I know you watched this one. She was a dandy. What, what was your takeaway from Bulls Gap last week? Yeah, I mean, that that was a uh, great race to watch. I mean, uh Larson and uh, Davenport throwing sliders on each other um, in Davenport's interview after the race, you know, he, he, he said it was a lot of fun, but um, you know, he, uh, he didn't push the issue on some, he said he could have pushed the issue on some of the sliders that Larson threw, but you know, I mean, he, he doesn't want to tear up equipment. So, you know, it's, you know, um, it was just a good race and, you know, they had to race through traffic and, uh, you know, a Larson actually, I believe he lost the lead for a little bit, but then he, he got it back and actually Davenport fell back to third, uh, McDowell got him, uh, yep. towards the end. Yeah. I, it was, I thought it was a highly entertaining race. Of course that was on flow. I think it was on flow. That was on flow, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. And, uh, so Kyle Larson won and, you know, a couple of things that stuck out. The race was good. But all the dirt fans in the world, and I am one, you are one. We love dirt racing, right? But everyone's like, oh, NASCAR sucks, or NASCAR's stupid, that NASCAR's dumb, right? I'm here to tell you, right? There's way more NASCAR fans than dirt fans, and it ain't close. Proof in the pudding, there was not a place left to sit last week at the, at the NASCAR star-studded field, right? Tuesday night this week, it was empty same cars right what's the difference some people might say well it's a weekday 
isn't Thursday a weekday? So, so Thursday, Tuesday, same thing. But that NASCAR draw, Casa Grande did the same thing. They had Kyle Busch there, and the place actually jam-packed. Brandon Overton mentioned Kyle Busch likely to race a little bit more in that car. So here's a question for you. In the coming years, when I mean when he's kind of done with the NASCAR deal, and I give him a couple, two, three more years probably, and, and he'll probably retire from NASCAR. I, I Just my prediction. So maybe write that one down. But do you think there's going to be a time in the short, short window here, in the short future, where Kyle Busch is actually a regular um, participant in the dirt late model world? Um, I think it, it's possible. Uh, one thing that might go against that happening is uh, his son racing. You know, if he wants to uh, uh, be more involved in uh, his son's racing, that may prevent him from uh, racing more dirt late model shows. Yeah, and he might not race every single week, but I, uh, I think that you're going to see a lot more of him. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, his kid, his kid's pretty young. I think he's what seven, eight years old. I think like seven. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a little time to play before he's old enough. Not much, but a little bit. And then, of course, Alltech, they had their show last week, the Hunt the Front series down there, RTJ, impressive, from 14th. Um, that's, a, that's a good run. 14th to win um, on that track. Not always the easiest to pass on. RTJ getting it done. So this week, of course, we had Bulls Gap tonight. Madden won. Um, Spring 50, that's been postponed multiple times. That's this Saturday at Florence. Lucas Oil MLRA action. Um, at Davenport this week, and then uh, of course Bulls Gap got a got a hundred grand to win deal coming up. So NASCAR on dirt, Bert. NASCAR on dirt. What stuck out to you at Bristol? Uh, I I watched both the truck race and the the cup race. Um, I thought both shows both both races were entertaining. Um, Obviously, I was interested to see how uh, Davenport would do. Um, I think he he held his own in both races. Um, and Ty Majeski uh, from Wisconsin finished second in the truck race. Uh, he got his start in racing, racing uh, go-karts on dirt. So, uh, um, you know, that uh, um, apparently that, that uh, helped him. <laughs> right I was entertained by by the by the racing you had to give it a grade you know what what would you give it um I'd give it a b plus that's better you're giving that a b plus and you get old <laughs> I, a couple years back I remember picking on that <laughs> b plus you know that and that's a solid grade I mean you know, one thing it reminded me of, it reminded me of coming back to the 90s, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, super stock racing. The, the, the cars and trucks are flat. They're, they're not jacked up like a dirt late model modified. They're not all tractioned up. They're flat. You're watching the cup race, Bert. They're literally slipping and sliding going around that racetrack. They're yawed, buzzing their tires, sliding through the corners, not a lot of grip. Reminded me of old super stock racing where you had to get up on the wheel, right? You had to, you didn't have all that mechanical drive. You had to like, you had to really finesse the car around the racetrack. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I thought there was multiple lanes of racing. 
I'm, you know what? I'm going to give it an A. I, I thought it was good. At first, I'm like, boy, they ended it under caution. That was dumb. Well, they took the white, you know, and, and technically when they take the white, the race is over. That's just the rules. Mm-hmm. And and it looked to me like Christopher Bell was going to kind of block the slider anyway. He's a he's an old dirt guy. He knew what was coming. So he kind of looked like he was probably going to shut the door on Tyler Reddick anyway. So I think it was going to finish that way. But I got to be honest, man, I hope they do that again. I haven't had, have they announced if they're doing that again in 2024? No, I, I just, uh, I did a Google search before we went on the show and I, there's no announcement yet. And um, I actually um, looked at the ratings, uh, 3,450,000 people uh, viewed it, which is the fourth highest viewer, fourth highest viewership for a NASCAR race this year. Okay, fourth highest this year. This year, yes. Okay. Uh, so, behind the Daytona five. It's behind the first three races of the season. Um Daytona had over eight million people. It, right, right. Daytona is I, I was actually it's, surprised that the that it's that huge of a draw. I mean, when people say NASCAR's dying, it's I mean, it had eight million people watching the Daytona five hundred on yeah, TV. NASCAR. So. And, and I got to be honest with you. One thing that I think NASCAR did really, really good, and they did this started a couple of years back, but it's really kind of taken its toll now, is they took some of these racers that we grew up watching, right? And they are now in the broadcast booth, right? Nothing against your Mike Joys of the world and all that, but getting some of these old racers that we used to watch and having them in the booth, now you get that whole fan base going, you know what? I enjoy the show because I love watching Tony Stewart and all these guys in the booth, you know, Clint Boyer, A plus on that. That's, that's good marketing. Yeah. I, I thought Tony Stewart was very good in the booth for the, for the cup race. I mean, he has a that's dirt, the best I mean, I've seen him. Obviously he has a dirt background. So, you know, he was able to explain, um, you know, about the, you know, where the track was rough in some spots. He explained why that was happening and, you know, different things like that. And it, I don't know if you saw this, um, but, you know, they did show highlights of Larson and Davenport racing the, the late models at Bulls Gap uh, during part of the broadcast. So, you know, NASCAR fans who don't normally watch dirt late model racing got to see a little bit. It's like, you know, they may, hey, what is that? We may need to check that out. Yeah, I, I thought overall, I'm telling you what, I, I was highly impressed, and I think they did a good job. I'm glad I was able to kind of catch that. Even my better half, my better half, Brenda Burt, she watched the end of that race with me as well. So that's a win right there. She never watches racing, so that's pretty cool. We're, we're getting her. We're getting her here. She's going to she's gonna catch on sooner rather than later. So let's jump into our weekly pick the standings right now. Uh, our guy from up in the – there. One place, Bert, where the snow is not melted is the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, but he does have the point lead going for him in the pick'em. So Jeff's at 41, Kurt's at 39, Mike and I are both at 34, Kent's at 32, Birthday Boy Dan at 31, Brad at 29, Bert chomping on the bit there, one point behind him at 28, Not So Hot Carl at 18. Carl, get it together, man. Come on, guy, get her together. So this week, I don't I don't have the results. It's Tuesday, but we did the high limit sprint cars tonight at Lakeside. We did uh, the Working Man Nationals tonight. Late models at Bulls Gap. 
Then we got apparel world of outlaw sprint car races at I-55 and we have the hundred thousand to win XR super series event at Moe's gap this Saturday. So a few races to pick, but let's get into the last lap. Zuli's race engines. Well, soda racing right around the corner. What does that mean? Zuli's race engines, Facebook page will be going wild with what feature wins. That's what they do. They build engines that will help you the racer compete at a high level, win races, win championships, performance, durability. If you can't beat them, join them. Zuli's race engines. So, Bert, uh, here's one for you. Um, Bobby Pierce, Brad's boy, he, he actually raced at Brownstone. I didn't watch the race or whatever, but Nick Hoffman, a guy that kind of looked pretty racy, that a little bit in Volusia in the late model. Just about got his first win. Bobby Pierce keeping him out of Victory Lane in Brownstown. Did you happen to see Brad, uh, Freddie Carpenter, fast Freddie Carpenter from the old Kryptonite chassis? Um, pretty vocal on the late model tires. Did you? I did not. I did not see that. Basically, what he said is is uh, some of the different series and, and stuff they have what's called a runoff period, where they're giving drivers X amount of time to deplete last year's inventory before making it mandatory to run this year's tires. He's like, some of us have a lot of tires left and have access to a lot of old tires. Why not let, why, why even have that grace period? Let people have the whole year is kind of what his argument was to deplete that inventory because Bert, the cost of tires right now is so stupid. I mean, it is unbelievable. And on the national level, it's one thing, but Freddie Carpenter's a regional guy. He's a local guy, just like a lot of our viewers that race locally in the Wasota area, eastern Wisconsin area. Freddie Carpenter, Tyler Carpenter, yeah, they've raced some big shows, but they're local guys, and they're already complaining, you know, $200 plus per tire. I mean, that that's just not a sustainable business model for dirt track racing. And uh, how many more people by the end of the year are we going to see vocally kind of commenting on the cost of tires? Something's got to be done there. So, yeah, um, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what can be done though. Um, you know, Daytona one performance lubricant. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause I don't see the cost of tires going down. Um, right. but you know, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, if you, if somehow you can, well, if, if you can utilize the ways that you can make tires last longer, how's that for a politically correct way of saying things? <laughs> <laughs> and that's one option. I mean, maybe in some classes, right? Lower classes, look at, you know, options for street radios, do some testing. There's gotta be some options out there. I don't, I don't know, but I do know this. People cannot afford to race weekly races all year long with the cost of everything going through the roof. It's just not a good deal. And that's gotta be fixed. I want to give a shout out here, Bert, uh, Mark Tremberth, uh, Lamb Turnberg, uh, he kind of goes by on Facebook, but we used to build the turbine chassis. He served on the board at Hibbing, big racing historian. He runs the page Vintage Iron Range Dirt Track Racing. Um, put together a really cool video. Um, first of all, if you're not on that page, if you're from northern Minnesota, or if you've ever been up to Hibbing, Grand Rapids, that area, if you've ever gone to those tracks, follow that page he's got some really cool stuff on there but he put together a video Bert, of a couple drivers roger paulo and uh, george ladine that have been racing in hibbing for nearly 50 years and they're not the guys Co combined 
combined birthday have five feature wins in like 50 years. Okay. But every track has those people that love racing. They love the community, the passion being around it. And, and without them, our sport is, it's garbage because there's not many people out there that, that compete at that high level and spend that time and money to win every night. you got to have the whole mix of them. And I know George and I know Roger, both very, very good guys. I've known them my whole life. And, and uh, I just want to thank Lamb for putting that video together. I thought it was pretty cool and looking forward to more of his work. Another thing I saw today, I sent you a video of it and you can maybe comment on it. Did you see that little, uh, race car on ice deal that i sent you there yeah i saw the video i wasn't i couldn't hear the announcer very well so i'm not exactly sure what uh thunder uh, bay ontario it. canada bert thunder bay ontario canada that's sean polanowski by the way and uh two shaw we all heard a shaw chassis right larry shaw chassis well two shaw super stocks which it's immaterial the cool part about this was so if you're listening to this, like you can't see it, but I'm playing the video, like if you're watching it on YouTube, um, he actually took his race car. And I saw Chad Becker, Kent Arment, they've both done this as well, but they took their race car to a hockey game. Now, I don't know if it was a college, high school, semi-pro, I don't know what kind of game it was, but they brought the car there, rolled the car out onto the ice, and were literally promoting dirt track racing, cross-promoting at a hockey game, right? So racers, boy, what an idea, you know, and I get it. People are busy, got work, working on the, I get all that. Right. But if you want this sport to grow, if we want more people involved, more of this stuff has to happen. Get your cars to sporting events, get your cars to unique places like that. Tip of the cap, Sean Polanowski. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, congratulations to him. And good to see that racing passion and Thunder Bay is super strong, Bert. They actually added grandstands this year because it was pretty full last year. Pretty excited about that. So our last segment of the show, three bold predictions. Bert, we had a whole bunch of them that come off the board here, guy. A whole bunch. A whole bunch. So we'll start with you. You didn't have a very good week. You didn't have, you had all kinds of craziness here. You said Jonathan Davenport will finish top 20 in the cup race at Bristol. No, that one didn't happen. You said Chris Smoky Madden was going to win at Volunteer at the Kyle Larson race. You were no. that's a bad beat. He won tonight <laughs> at Bulls Gap. That's a bad beat. That's a no, though. That's a no. You said the Bristol Cup race was going to finish Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick got second. second. One right. <laughs> Another bad beat. You got one right. You don't get a half a point for that. That's wrong. You did though say. The, uh, JD would finish top 15 in the truck, I believe. What did he get? 14th, I think. 14. So, yeah. Yep. So, so you got that one correct. Um, I had a couple come off the board as well. A couple weeks back, I said Tyler Carpenter will finish better in the truck than JD finishes in the cup race. That <laughs> happened. That happened. That was before we even knew he was going to race. Then, when I found out JD was going to run a truck too, I said, Carpenter will beat J.D. in the truck. That did not happen. No. That did not happen. So last week, Bert, you were at 48.6%. I was at 29.7%. You slid back. You're at 462 I went up just a titch, 308 So I'm closing the gap. 
I got 12 right, 27 wrong. You have 18 right, 21 wrong. So got a little work to do. You're still winning on that. But what do you have for this week's three bold predictions? I will say there will be less than 60 late models at the 100,000 to win show this weekend. Less than 60 at the 100 grand to win. They had like 45 or 46 tonight on a Tuesday. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. All right, fair enough. I'm going to go with the big cat. Brad Sweet will win at least one of the A-mains at I-55 this weekend. If they race. If they race. I will say there will be no dirt on Bristol in 2024. You have a horseshit attitude. <laughs> All right. No dirt in 2024. Okay. Now I'm going to clarify this. If they put clay on it, <laughs> there will not be a NASCAR dirt race at Bristol in okay. 2024. So dirt, clay, gumbo, any of that type of sand, none of that stuff is going to be put on there. All right. Fair enough. Pavement concrete, whatever racing only. I'm going to go with the big O Wagaman's Ogilvy Raceway will race at least one event in April. Okay. I will say that Mike Mullen will will win the first modified will be the first modified feature winner in Wisconsin this year. The first IMCA modified feature winner in the whole state. Yes. IMCA or modified? Modified. Really? (laughs) This, Really? this, This one we can actually probably check right now. He's racing tonight in Beaver Dam. Is he really? They're racing tonight? Yeah, they, they had their opener tonight. He was starting to feature in 10th. So, um, huh. all right, all right. Oh, I'm, so if you, I'm, I'm, if you go to my race pass right now, you might be able to determine if I got it right or not. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on the phone. So, oh, yeah, okay. We'll check that out. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right. I was thinking Mississippi Thunder, but they're, I didn't know they're already racing all these. Yep. So. All right. Little do we know. I'm going to go with this guy right here, Bert, the X Factor. Last couple of years, not been real good, right? Not been real good. Jesse Glenn's will have at least five feature wins, minimum of five feature wins in 2023. Overall or in a late model or? I'll go, you know what? Do I need to clarify that, or do you want me to just stick with five? Well, no, I, mean, I don't even know if he's racing a mod. I'm not sure, but um, I'll go in a late model. I'll go. Okay. I'll go a late model. Yeah. So okay. Jesse Glenn's minimum of five feature wins in a late model in 2023. So that's it. That's it for the show. You know, shout out Mason Aaron's videos. Got a shout out to Mason for editing it i wish he could make me look a little bit better but you know i guess he's not that good no he's really good check out his <laughs> stuff and got dirt track uh dirt track supply zulie's race engines brad parson egg solutions daytona one performance lubricants 
Oh man, what else do we got here? Impact health sharing we have, right? Um, Brad Parson, I already mentioned him. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, oh, buyresearch.com. Can't forget buyresearch.com. So, you know, got to thank all of our great sponsors. They help us just come on here and jabber about racing each and every week. Hope, thanks for joining us on the show. And I'm Ryan Aho. That is the Burt Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.